630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Three games underway in the National Hockey League. Devils and Hurricanes scoreless late in the first Taylor Hall riding a 23-game point streak into that one. Sabres and Panthers 1-1 late in the first. Sam Reinhardt has his 15th of the season for the Sabres. Canadians and Islanders 1-1 early in the second period. Brendan Gallagher, 22nd goal of the year for Montreal. The New York Rangers will be here tomorrow to take on the Oilers at Rogers Place. They play the Calgary Flames tonight. 7 o'clock face-off. We'll update you on that one once it gets going. At Rogers Place this evening, an hour away from face-off there, the Edmonton Oil Kings hosting the Calgary Hitmen. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 6.30, Chad, and it is a later-than-usual Saturday night start tomorrow for the Oilers. 8.30 face-off. We'll have the face-off show at 7 o'clock, and this game's starting a little bit later on because the outdoor game between Toronto and Washington will be played before the Oilers game, and uh, the outdoor games usually take a little longer than usual. However, it is so windy where this game is going to be played that there's a chance it could be postponed until Sunday, so something to keep an eye on there. The Oilers have assigned Ty Ratty back to Bakersfield. The Oilers update for Nisku Ford. Every model on sale every day. Nisku Ford above expectations. By the way, the uh, Bakersfield Condors played a game against San Jose, uh, started late this morning, one of those special school day games. San Jose won 2-1 in overtime. Laurent Brassois in goal for the Condors had a good game, 35 saves. The Condors were shorthanded 10 times. They were able to kill off nine of them. But as for the Edmonton Oilers, so Raddy goes back to Bakersfield, and Todd McClellan says it is looking very good for Ryan Nugent Hopkins to be back in action tomorrow. Nugent Hopkins has missed the last 18 games. Remember, he got hurt in Vegas right before the Oilers' bye week turned out to be cracked ribs. Without Nugent Hopkins, the Oilers have gone 7-10-1. With him, they were 20-23-3, also uh, three games below 500, but uh, they played a lot more games. They have definitely missed Nugent Hopkins. Todd McClellan says he has penciled in the Nuge to play tomorrow. I do expect him to play, and he talked to Jack Michaels about his imminent return. I've come back from injury before, so I know what it's like, and uh, I've been feeling good the past, especially the past couple weeks. It's gained a lot more, and it's gained with the guys now, so um, definitely feeling good. Energy levels should be good. Um, the only thing, maybe take a little bit, maybe a couple shifts at the time into the game, but I don't think it should uh, um, be too bad. Um, obviously, I played the first half of the year, so uh, yeah, I'm excited to come back. I want to be back in the lineup. It's been long enough, so um, definitely uh, excited to get back out there. Ribs are universally known as a particularly painful injury. Has the pain completely subsided? Um, I'd say mostly for sure. Um, I think there's still going to be lingering effects for uh, a while. Definitely the strength is all there, and uh, 
they're healed up. So I think it's just that scar tissue that's built up now, and um, that'll break down slowly. So uh, it, it'll be, it's good right now. They're feeling good. They're feeling strong. So uh, nothing to worry about. Cycle back for me six, seven weeks, if you will. You know, a big win over Vegas, and the club at that time still feels very much like there's a chance. How frustrating was it for you to have to sit idly by as those chances started to dissipate? Uh, yeah, it was definitely tough. Um, just the, the point of the year, we needed to make a push right at that point. So uh, for, for me not to be able to be out there and uh, help the team out, it's, uh, it's definitely tough to watch. And uh, it's tough to watch whether you win or lose, but uh, especially at that time when you're struggling, it's, uh, it's not fun just being in the stands. And um, at first, didn't think it was going to be um, as bad as it was. Uh, obviously, it came back and uh, found out how bad it was. So uh, definitely disappointed, but it's um, been a long recovery, a long process, but uh, happy to be back. Personally, is it frustrating because you were having such a good year at the time? A little bit too. I mean, you, you kind of get momentum and you get confidence back in your game, and um, especially after last year. I mean, obviously didn't produce the way I wanted to, and started to come out with a little bit more confidence this year and uh, play a little more offensive, uh, offensively minded. And uh, it's it definitely uh, sucks when you, you you get hurt when you're you're feeling good out there. But it's one of those things. It's uh, you can't control it so uh, I want to be able to pick it up uh, where I left off and um, uh, be uh, able to produce and uh, help with the team anyway I can. All right, so that's the Nuge. Looks like he's going to be rocking and rolling against the Rangers tomorrow night. And here's the situation for the Oilers. You know how beyond their their two big guys, McDavid and Dreisaitl, they have uh, struggled to consistently produce offense. Despite missing 18 games, Ryan Nugent Hopkins remains the third leading scorer on the team with 31 points, tied with Milan Lucic. Uh, who obviously hasn't scored in a long time, though he had a bit of a better game tonight. So uh, the Nuge, welcome back. Too bad the games aren't going to mean anything in terms of a playoff push, but he was having a pretty good year, I thought, at both ends of the ice. So glad he's back from the injury. And I know there's been a lot of talk out there, and you can always text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. About how the Oilers structure their lines McDavid and Dreisaitl, should they be together or apart? Where does Nugent Hopkins fit? And I I know that one of the thoughts out there, and Todd McClellan has been asked about it and and indicated that that it is a possibility. I mean, certainly as the coach, it's always a possibility. He didn't really say how how, uh, strongly he wants to do it, but he has been asked about Ryan Nugent Hopkins playing on the same line as Connor McDavid. And he said, yes, that's possible. So that would allow uh, Dreisaitl to be on his own line with, uh, you know, whoever, whether he's with uh, Camilleri or Lucic or, or Aberg, as he was for some of the time last night. I, I will say, Rob's actually, Rob Brown has talked about this on some of our over, overtime open line shows, and it's it maybe a little detail, but if you look at who most often takes the face-off, when Dreisaitl and McDavid are on the same line and what would probably happen if Nugent Hopkins and McDavid were to be on the same line, McDavid actually is the winger, right? I mean, we're talking... I know he's listed as a center and, and he plays center when he's not with, with Dreisaitl, but Dreisaitl really is the face-off guy and often the down-low guy when uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl are together. And, and I would think that would be the case if, if Nugent Hopkins and uh, McDavid are together because McDavid is is not a great face-off person by any means. 
So anyway, uh, the combinations here when when you're losing a lot of games, we've talked about this before. I don't know if there really is a uh, correct or incorrect combination, and and the lines always the lines always change up. And Rob and I had a caller last night who was very unhappy with the frequency of which Todd McClellan tinkers with the lines, and then we had a post-game interview with Predators head coach Peter Laviolette saying that he was changing lines throughout the game, looking for combinations to try to get uh, the Predators going against the Oilers, because obviously uh, Nashville was trailing or tied most of the night before they got the go-ahead goal with 5.08 left in the third period. Uh, Nugent Hopkins and McDavid on the same line at this point, why not? Why not? You could uh, have McDavid Lucic, Nugent Hopkins together, Camilleri, Dreisaitl, Cassian or Aberg. I think Strom looks better at center. I think Kara has been playing pretty well as the fourth-line center. He might be able to slide into the Mark Letestu role, and we'll hear from him as we go along tonight. But it's funny you talk about putting somebody with McDavid to play on his wings. If you're putting one of those other two guys with McDavid, Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins, it is they who will actually be the center, and McDavid will be the winger. So maybe just a little bit of a a, a detail, but something to keep in mind. All right, we're coming up to 6.15. Again, if you want to chime in, love to hear from you. You can text 630-630, the phone number 780-496-0063. I got a little bit from Jujar Kara. We had a a fun moment with him last night on the Faceoff show that I let him know about today. And after a pretty rocky start to the season, Kara has... Become a pretty, I, I'd say, you know, in a tough year for the Oilers, he's he's one of the guys you could say has been a positive this year. He's been finding ways to contribute, forechecking pretty hard, and he's been able to snipe the odd goal with a pretty good shot. That's coming up inside sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Chet. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Also to keep an eye on tonight, 7 o'clock face-off, Claire Drake Arena. U of A Golden Bears, Saskatchewan Huskies, game one of their best of three Canada West final. They are both going to Nationals, so they're playing for a higher seed in the eight-team tournament in Fredericton. We'll uh, keep you updated on that game once it gets uh, going. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins, Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer on the other side of the window. What I love about Oilers fans is you're always thinking ahead. You're always thinking ahead. Trade deadline has passed, but Oil10 texting in. He says, uh, Reed, I don't like to do this, but here's a proposed trade that may create discussion. Clefbaum and Nugent Hopkins for Oliver ekman Larson and Josh Archibald. Josh, uh, Josh Archibald, originally taken by the Penguins, sixth round in uh, 2011, now 25 years of age, mostly a farmhand, three goals in 14 NHL games. He played four playoff games for the Penguins in 2017. Did not register a point. 5'10", about 175, 180 pounds. Going to be honest with you, don't know uh, a ton about him. Pretty good uh, collegiate career. Finalist for the Hobie Baker Award in 13-14. He played for uh, Omaha. So that is Oil 10. I, I, that's, that's the interesting thing. The, uh, as tough as this year has been for the Oilers... There are, I get the sense anyway, I, I, I hate to speak from everybody, but I, I, for everybody, because everybody feels differently, but I think a lot of you really don't want to trade Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and I also feel like, you can tell me if I'm wrong, I also feel like a lot of you would be quite reluctant to trade Oscar Clefbaum. 
de- depending. But Oil 10 is throwing it out there. He trades both of them for Oliver Ekman Larson and uh, another guy who would be a little bit of organizational depth. Probably, you know, at this point would be a long shot. Well, a medium shot to be regularly in the NHL. So the, that's Oil 10. Clefbaum and Nuge for Ekman Larson. I don't think Clefbaum has felt great all year. Uh, really good season last year, 12 goals, stuck on three this year. Nugent Hopkins has been good at both ends of the rink, but the question there is, can you afford uh, Nugent Hopkins and Dreisaitl and McDavid and Lucic and Sekra? On and on we go. Uh, that would be tough to see the Nuge go. I think he's a good player. As Peter Shirelli said before the trade deadline, there's a list of players he had that he didn't want to part with. And he said teams have stopped asking for those players. I think it's you, you can make a pretty educated guess that Nugent Hopkins and Clefbaum would be on that list. And I asked him when I interviewed him Monday, shortly after the trade deadline passed, are you going to have that same list of players in the summer? And he said, I don't know. So he seemed committed to those guys for the rest of the year and felt that he probably didn't feel like he could get what he wanted for them at the deadline in the summer, in the draft. And we don't know where the Oilers are going to pick. I mean, right now they could pick anywhere between first and ninth, depending on how the lottery plays out and where they finish. We don't have any idea. Well, we have a very general idea of where they're going to pick. They'll, they'll, they'll pick in the top ten. Let's put it that way, unless they really go on a surge end of the season. Brett says, I've had cracked ribs. They will bother Nugent Hopkins for for months when he gets into full game contact. He'll know. And uh, Brett also says he should play with McDavid or Dreisaitl. Well, he might get that shot. He might get that shot, maybe as soon as tomorrow. Just quickly here, Gary Bettman was uh, in Edmonton uh, yesterday. He went to Calgary today, and we'll get to some of those comments because it's looking pretty bleak, obviously, for a new arena for the Calgary Flames, at least in the short term. I got to interview Gary Bettman during the first intermission of the game, and uh, there have been so many complaints about the officiating, the video review, so I wanted to get into that, but I I didn't just want to complain about it. And one thing I get asked from many of you, especially after games, is why don't referees do interviews? Could we get an explanation from the referee? What did he see on the play? Even if it's not a media scrum, could one reporter go and then bring back the the clips or, or the quotes? So I said to Gary Bettman, do you have any desire for referees to do post-game interviews. Speak to the media or a member of the media after game to communicate to fans. No. Uh, frankly, at the at the end of the day, uh, if an explanation is required for a play, uh, we do it in real time out of the Toronto office where hockey operations and officiating is based. Uh, and uh, in this era of media and social media and every word being scrutinized, our officials aren't used to dealing with the media, and I think that would lend more confusion. I think the more important point is our officials do a terrific job. They're the best officials in all the sports. They're the best hockey officials in the world. Uh, But it's a human game. Uh, Coaches make mistakes. Players make mistakes. We strive for consistency. We don't like mistakes. If you make too many of them, obviously you don't have a future as an official. But at the end of the day, overwhelmingly, if you put aside a rooting interest, overwhelmingly they're getting the calls right. Uh, With all the extensive video that 
that there is. Uh, it's clear that they're right, even when lots of people with a rooting interest think that they're wrong. Uh, but they do occasionally make an error, and there are judgment calls. And judgment calls tend to be subjective depending on who you're rooting for. Okay, and, and last one, sort of along those lines. I know you've been asked a lot about video review lately, but if we were to do this on October 4th, whenever the season's going to start, is there something you'd like to tell me, okay, we, we altered this about video review well, because that needed to be tweaked? Well, actually, we altered the coach's challenge for offsides by saying, because we thought it was being used too much, uh, you get a two-minute penalty if you're wrong, and the number of call, or number of challenges, coaches' challenges for offsides is about, give or take a couple, half of what it was last year. So that's working well. Whether or not like you like the offside rule, that if you're a quarter of an inch offside, it's, it's right. offside, but that's the rule. Uh, the goaltender interference, it was really intended to correct an obviously wrong call. In other words, you call me for goaltender interference against you, and you look at video and I never touched you. Or the contrary, you know, puck goes in and I, as the official, didn't see that the goaltender was actually touched. That was really what it was designed for. This notion of, you know, how much is incidental contact? How long did he have to reset? That's overthinking it. It's a judgment call. People are always going to differ on judgment calls. The standard that we use in the rule book hasn't changed in almost 20 years. And so I think maybe it's being used a little bit too much. And much as we adjusted, uh, although differently, the offsides use of coaches' challenge, we're going to have to take a look at the general manager's meeting in March about whether or not we can really limit this to what it was intended to be. All right, a little bit there from Gary Bettman. That full interview is on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. To me, that was one of the more interesting parts, and uh, he gave a pretty firm no there to uh, referees ever doing interviews after games. I think clearly, well, he basically said it at the end. They, they need to talk again about the goalie interference and how they're doing it and what exactly they're looking at. John says, if the Oilers trade Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I would rethink my season tickets. Tired of trading number ones away. More on the text line and an interesting discussion on aging arenas in Alberta when we get back. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Well, you know all about Cam Talbot. I'm not sure you know much about the goalie expected to play for the Rangers tomorrow night against the Oilers. We'll have Dave Maloney from MSG Radio Network on in the next half hour. Obviously taped with Dave earlier today since he's getting ready to work the Rangers-Flames game Tonight, a few uh, unfamiliar faces in that Rangers lineup. NHL this evening, Galchenyuk has scored twice for the Canadians. They lead the Islanders 3-2 late in the second period. Panthers up 2-1 on the Sabres early in the second. Also early period two. Devils and Hurricanes are scoreless. And about 13 minutes into the game, no score between the Red Wings and the Jets. My name is Reed Wilkins. This is Inside Sports. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Hope you have a great weekend planned. We'll get to some Gary Bettman comments from Calgary today. A lot of discussion about their old NHL arena. But at a totally different level and uh, something that uh, I think maybe might affect more people on a daily basis in terms of community use, minor hockey, all that kind of stuff. There are a lot of aging arenas around the province that maybe couldn't host an NHL game, but they're pretty important in our communities. And to talk about that, I'm pleased to welcome Matt Bakowicz to the show. Matt, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Great. How are you, Reed? 
I'm doing well. I appreciate you making time for me. Matt, let's just uh, set the, the background a little bit here. You're with a group called Active Communities Alberta. Give us just the nuts and bolts of who you guys are. Yeah, that's correct, Reed. We're uh, a group of volunteers. Um, Active Communities Alberta is a nonprofit organization, and we've come together because we've identified a need and uh, a pending crisis, really, in terms of recreation infrastructure in the province. Um, we've got uh, 12 members with our group, and we've all got a variety of backgrounds in terms of minor sports, uh, various ice sports, uh, including hockey. And, you know, myself personally, I've been volunteering uh, as a coach in hockey for about 18 years and, you know, done everything from Bantam to junior and university. And looking at the big picture, I think it's, it's something that uh, needs to be addressed is the shortage of uh, facilities and then secondly the the pending closure of many facilities across our province. Okay well let's let's start there you mentioned a shortage of facilities and, and aging facilities and uh, I you know I, I know you I went on your website and, and doing some googling and, and I'm sure if people think back even in the last five or six years they can probably remember a few instances of hearing an arena with a roof collapse or or roof issues through your research can you give me a sense of how many arenas in the province are near the end or perhaps even past a comfortable lifespan right yeah there's been uh there's been a lot of uh documented cases first of all of roof collapses for uh the aging arenas across the province we've had a pretty significant one several years ago at sylvan lake there's been uh drayton valley fort chip uh three hills has had a roof collapse as well and unfortunately uh calgary just had one here last week uh the fairview arena had a collapse and uh, these facilities, these aren't, you know, the new facilities. These are the aging facilities that were built either in the 1960s as centennial projects or uh, in the 1970s as a result of uh, provincial and federal contributions. So so there are about 400 indoor ice surfaces in the province, and through our research we found that more than half of those are 40 years or older and therefore really on the twilight of their uh of their arena usage. Oh, wow, okay. So, and how many of those would be in Edmonton? Probably a few dozen at least, right, or in the Edmonton area? Yeah, in the Edmonton area, we identified about 57 arenas. Oh, wow. And 30 of those arenas are 40 years or older. Okay. And the the city of Edmonton, they have a report called the uh, 10-year arena plan, and essentially that plan, which finishes in 2019, calls for six of the indoor ice surfaces, single ice arenas in Edmonton to close because of age. And the, the challenge right now is, is that uh, originally there was an expectation with the Coliseum deal plus the newest new uh, Lewis Farms uh, Recreation Center that you would have, you know, maybe close six arenas, the old ones, replace that with two sheets at Lewis Farms and maybe six sheets at the Coliseum and Unfortunately, with the with the Coliseum deal not uh, moving forward, there's still a need to close these arenas. Uh, the plan calls for that, but really there isn't uh, there isn't a full developed plan to uh, replace them, and that's that's where we come in with our nonprofit organization. Okay, uh, Matt Bakowitz joining us from Active Communities Alberta. So, t- tell me what your organization 
would ideally like to do here, like to build? And I guess, you know, i got to ask, how, how are you going to pay for it, right? Because that's always the big question. Of course, yeah. So essentially, we've been, uh, we've been working on this for over a year and a half now and have been working with all levels of government, uh, municipal, provincial, and federal. And the plan would be for a regional recreation facility located somewhere in close proximity to the Anthony Henday, likely on the northwest part of Edmonton to uh, take off some of the pressure from Terwilliger Arena. And essentially that facility would be a four-sheet arena as well as uh, gymnasium space, two large gymnasiums that can be subdivided, community space for nonprofit groups, um, and all kinds of really, uh, you know, activities such as daycares and uh, those sorts of things that, that provide community good. So, so that's a vision for the facility. In terms of, in terms of uh, funding, through our research, we actually found that there are two facilities that opened in about, a, about a year and a half ago, one in uh, Medicine Hat and one in Lethbridge, and they're both multi-use recreational facilities. And each one of those received $10 million from the federal government and $10 million from the provincial government. So our plan is to ask for the same amounts from both those levels of government for this facility and have those amount, the rest of the cost uh, paid for, you know, by contributions from the surrounding municipalities, specifically those in close proximity to the rink. So Edmonton, St. Albert, the regional counties, et cetera. What would be the total cost of your proposal with the four sheets and the two gyms? So we're looking at about 60 to $65 million, okay. which is, yeah, a little bit less than you typically spend um, when these are municipally built. And I think part of it is is that as a nonprofit group, we, uh, we certainly push for competitive pricing on all aspects of the facility. And, um, yeah, we're, we're eager to move forward with this. Matt, I'm going to ask you a question that on the surface one Canadian asking another might sound absurd because one of the most popular three-word sentences in this country is hockey is Canada. But if we fail to adequately replace these facilities, are we talking about a medium long-term, long-term dwindling in participation and thereby excellence in hockey in Canada? I think there's definitely a huge risk of that here. Essentially, you know, all players across Canada that are either, you know, playing recreationally or competitively or moving to the national or international stage are, are applying their craft at indoor arena facilities. And in essence, that's the heart and the lifeblood of many communities across our province and our country. And if, uh, if the investment isn't made in terms of dollars and uh, the opportunity isn't there for these facilities to be replaced, it, it'll be a difficult road. Okay. Uh all right, so I, I know you got to run here right away, but uh, first of all, the website is activecommunitiesab.ca. That's correct. If people want to find out more, and obviously there'll be contact info if they just want to get involved or ask any questions. What's next for you guys here uh, here in the short term? Yeah, so we've been uh, meeting with, as I said, all different officials at different levels, and we were at the legislature uh, last Friday, essentially meeting with the uh, representatives from Minister of Culture, and we're moving forward with the business plan to the province uh, in order to obtain funding from them in not this year's capital budget, but the following year, and continuing to secure uh, those pieces. A real attractive piece for this facility is that in Calgary, they actually run a totally different model. They, uh, 
they have non-profit organizations operating most of their recreation facilities, and those facilities are operating at break-even basis. So the opportunity here is for not only to replace arenas, but actually save taxpayer dollars by using a different model than the city fully owning and fully operating the arena facilities, which ultimately is costing millions of dollars a year in subsidization for taxpayers. So we're really, we're really, uh, you know, optimistic with the model that we're bringing to the table and the fact that, uh, you know, we've had good responses from all levels of government so far. Okay, well, that's good to hear. Matt, I, I hope we can keep in touch on this. Uh, we all know that, that, that building something like this can, can be complicated, and uh, but it needs passionate people like you and your group behind it. So let's let's keep in touch and keep this story alive. Again, people can check out more activecommunitiesab.ca or just Google Active Communities Alberta, and it'll take you there, and you can get more information on uh, what Matt and his group are, are trying to do. Matt, thanks for checking in tonight. Uh, excellent story and, and all the best. Thank you for having me. That is Matt Bakowich on Inside Sports Tonight. So there you have it. They, they did a lot of research. Uh, f- about 400 arenas in Alberta, over 200 are 40 years or older. Uh, 30 of the 57 in Edmonton are uh, of that age, six of them to be closed. So uh, Matt and his group saying we need to start replacing these arenas. We need to have, I mean, quite frankly, safer arenas. I mean, there have been roof collapses. And uh, that's obviously dangerous if there's people inside at the time and then takes the arena out of commission for, for quite a while. They're a nonprofit organization. Uh, they got 12 people going, and he's, they're worried about the shortage of facilities and the aging facilities. And, and uh, Matt, Matt said it, and uh, again, when I, when I asked it, I thought, well, this is going to sound weird because the best athletes in Canada generally play hockey. Canada remains a, a hockey power. As we've talked about many times, it's uh, generally picked apart and tragic if Canada doesn't win a gold medal in an international event. But medium to long term, if if you don't have arenas for kids to go play, then uh, they're not going to turn into pros. They're not going to play in the NHL. They're not going to represent you uh, internationally, and they're going to find other sports to to play. So that was some interesting stuff there for Matt. We'll definitely keep a, an eye on that story. Active Communities Alberta is how you can look them up online. It is 6.45. I still got to get to that Jujar Kara interview inside sports on 6.30, Chad. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Rod texting 6.30, He says, Calgary's ice situation is horrible. Far fewer sheets of ice than Edmonton. Calgary teams have to hold tournaments out of town. Well, that doesn't sound very good. You can text 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. Oil Kings go at the top of the clock at Rogers Place against the Calgary Hitmen. That's that special uh, organ donation awareness game. Cindy Cherry, Don Cherry's daughter, is going to be there. She donated a kidney to her brother back in 1979. And uh, it's uh, the Oil Kings are going to be wearing Don Th- Cherry-themed jerseys. They're giving out Don Cherry bobbleheads. They have a Don Cherry trading card. You can get a photo taken with a cutout of Don Cherry. So a lot of cool stuff going on there. And the Alberta Golden Bears at 7 o'clock right away face off against the Saskatchewan Huskies. Game 1 of the best of three Canada West final. All right. Uh, just catching up to some other texts here to 630-630 when we uh, had the uh, Nuge interview 
interview on, and uh, a texter who calls himself Oil10, who always uh, texts in some very interesting stuff, said that he would trade Clefbaum and Nuge. Well, he, pr- he proposed the trade. Uh, Clefbaum and Nuge for Ekman Larson and Josh, Josh Archibald. Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Dodd says, no, don't trade Nuge. you got to learn lessons from trading Hall and Eberle. AJ says, I would not trade RNH. He keeps improving. He is now a core player the Oilers need to build around. Toffee says, Nuge is my favorite and was the most consistent Oiler this year prior to his injury. I want to see him as a lifelong Oiler and would be very upset if he were traded regardless of the return, it would have to be a huge return to be okay, and based on Shirelli's history, I doubt he could swing it. Guys and gals, I think we are in for some interesting debate on this program, on Bob's show, throughout the next few months and over the summer. Like I said, the Oilers will draft draft in the top ten, right? I mean, I think we know who the team is. Even when they have games last night, when they play well, they often can't make the key play to win it. They do have some games coming up against other teams that are out of it. The the Rangers, uh, Arizona, play Vancouver a couple of times. I'm not saying they're going to win all those games, but there are some opportunities for them to be successful, especially with McDavid and Dreisaitl playing really well lately. I wouldn't be surprised if, as through most of the season, the Oilers get around half their points the rest of the way. I can't see them going... 13 and 5 the rest of the way, 18 to go. I mean, 8, 8 and 2 wouldn't surprise me. 7, 9 and 2 wouldn't surprise me. 9, 7 and 2 wouldn't surprise me, but I think it'll be in that range. So they're probably not really going to move anywhere in the standings. Probably wouldn't, probably won't move down. Maybe could move up a spot or two. So you're drafting in the top nine, top, top nine or 10. Uh, and again, they draw three teams for the draft lottery. So if the Oilers aren't one of the teams picked and teams from behind them win those lottery spots, that's how the Oilers could drop down. But I, I think we're going to have some interesting discussion because we've seen some terrible teams play for play in this town and that that needed to be ripped apart. As much as as much as Oilers fans lament players who go on to other teams and play well. I would argue there's probably a longer list of players who were with the Oilers and then once they left, never never really played in the NHL again. You saw some of them in, in the Olympics. Uh, Scrivens, you know, played a bit for Montreal. Clankhammer didn't really play anywhere else. Uh, Derek Roy never played uh, anywhere else, right? So, uh, you know, Gilbert Brule kind of bounced around, but, you know, always kind of had a tough time in the NHL. Uh, who else was going to be Andy Sutton retired? Eric Belanger. So you can find a lot of guys that the Oilers added. Ben Eager that they thought were going to be really good from other teams or would help and never really helped and then never got other NHL jobs. I I, I get the sense from most of you with this team, you you like a lot of the players. You're, you're not happy with this season, but you like a lot of the players. You you want tweaks, but you don't want major trades. And as much as we as much as the Hall and Everly trades are now really being lambasted, I think three years ago there was an acceptance that at least one of those guys was going to have to be traded. And it might be a trade that you didn't necessarily like at the time, but it might be necessary to get a different type of player or to have uh, some money freed up against the cap. I think maybe the debate we're going to have through the rest of this season and into the spring and maybe even throughout the summer is... Are you comfortable if most of this team comes back, 
you t maybe tweak a couple forward spots with some speed and some finish if you can, but you don't want any of the younger or youngish players going out, even if they make quite a bit of money. I, I know the one texter threw out the, the proposal to get Oliver Ekman Larson. I mean, if you he put Josh Archibald in there, that, that he'd be a marginal player if you got him. I mean, would you would you actually want to trade Clefbaum and Nugent Hopkins for Ekman Larson? Would you actually want to trade Nugent Hopkins for Mike Hoffman, or or would you actually want to trade Clefbaum for Tyson Berry? I don't. I, that's really the interesting thing to me because I know when the Oilers were bad in the past, you know, I'd hear from some people who would say, "To hell with it, trade anybody. Anything has to be better. Even if you got to give up a good player, trade anybody. Change the mix. Send a message that the." core that thought it was the core is not the core. Tell the fans that, you know, maybe some of these guys aren't aren't doing as well as we thought. But, you know, I, I hear a lot of people now saying, wait a minute. This is a bad year. It's frustrating. We're mad at the GM. We're mad at the coach. We're mad at the, whoever you're mad at. Um, but don't tear everything apart and risk, you know, massively losing a trade. And Nugent Hopkins, I, Nugent Hopkins is a good player. I still think Clefbaum can be a good player. If they traded him, well, okay. Well, then we'd have to see how, how the new guy was going to do. But to, to me, I think that might be the core of the debate as we move forward the rest of the season. Once we get closer to the draft, free agency is how much of the team do you want to be picked apart? I don't know. It seems I'm hearing from a lot of you not much. We're going to bring Dave Maloney onto the show, former New York Ranger, now an analyst with MSG Radio. He's uh, working the Rangers broadcast right now, so I taped this with him this afternoon. He'll fill you in on what's going on with the Rangers. They obviously, uh, like the Oilers, know they're not going to the postseason. They, uh, hey, they, uh, they took the roster apart a little bit at the deadline. What, Nash out, Grabner out, Miller out. You know, changed the defense quite a bit. McDonough got traded too. He's going to check in. You'll hear some comments from Gary Bettman as he was in Calgary today. I still got that Jujar Carey interview standing by. Want to get to that as well. You can text 630-630, phone number 780-496-0063. 630 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.